Reading uh, just real briefly from the Gospel of Luke to sort of set the direction for some of our thinking tonight, the story of Jesus' birth. In those days, and you remember the story, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken in, in the entire Roman world, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up to the town of Nazareth, to Galilee and Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths, and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them there. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, watching their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But an angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. This Savior is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. I want you to notice that. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Interesting kind of sign, isn't it? I've got a store of Santa letters that I often pull out this time of year for these kinds of occasions, and a couple of my favorites uh, come from kids. I have one, for example, that reads, Dear Santa, could you come early this year? I've been really, really good, but I don't know if I can hold out much longer. Please hurry. Another says, uh, Dear Santa, when you come to my house, there will be cookies for you. But if you're real hungry, you can use our telephone and order a pizza. P.S. What should I leave for the reindeer to eat? I hope they like cookies too, because my mom won't let me bring hay into the living room. And then finally, there's this one that says, Dear Santa, I just can't decide what to ask for for Christmas, so I would just like one of everything, please. That was my letter. <laughs> As a pastor, I know that not all Christmas requests are so childlike and simple. Some of them are a lot more grown up and some of them are even more sad. Things like, dear Santa, can you just make my marriage work? Or dear Santa, would you restore my health or give me a job or just help me to find meaning in life? And whatever people say when they ask questions like that, they really aren't addressing them to Santa. I think if they were just to be honest with themselves, we all know that they're addressing them, they're aimed at God. So I'd like to ask you just briefly this afternoon, what are you hoping for this year? Way down deep inside, Something you haven't told anybody, perhaps, except God. In Luke's gospel, 
Two people appear in those final acts of the Christmas story that we did not read this evening. And one is a man named Simon, and the other is a woman named Anna. Simon is one of those big picture guys. He's one of those people who flies at 50,000 feet. Simon, Luke tells us, was waiting for the consolation of Israel. You see, things weren't going well for Simon and his people at this time in their history. They hadn't heard from God for a long time, and they were under foreign rule. And Simon was hoping, expecting, wanting, desiring something big to happen, something suited for big dreaming people like him. I can picture Simon watching the news every evening, paying close attention to world events, listening intently to movements in politics and in the economy. And that's why it's so surprising when I read in this story in Luke chapter 2 that the Holy Spirit prompted Simon to go to the temple at just the time and on just the day that Joseph and Mary are bringing their little baby Jesus to be dedicated and when Simon saw him, we're told, this big picture man, he reached down, he took Jesus into his arms, and he began to praise God. A baby? Really? And that's not what I was expecting. Not from a big picture guy like Simon. Now, the other Christmas character that Luke introduces to toward the end of his story is a woman named Anna. Anna, after her husband had died, had dedicated herself, Luke says, to fasting and praying in the temple. She had done this for something like about 60 years. She was 84 years old when we meet her. The Bible, in fact, says that in those 60 years, she never left, but she could be found at the temple any time, night or day. Now, we don't know why Anna spent all that time, all those days and nights in the temple. Uh, maybe she thought that her husband had done something wrong, and that's why God took him so early in their marriage. They'd only been married seven years. But whatever the reason, if Simon was looking for something big, Anna was looking for something personal. Anna was looking for what Luke calls the redemption of Israel. Redemption. That's just a big word meaning forgiveness. What Anna wanted more than anything was the forgiveness of sins. And again, what she got was the glimpse of a baby. Like so many stories in the Bible, that's a really neat story. What in the world does it mean? I mean, we try to put it together. What is it, what is it that Luke is attempting to tell us? Remember that verse I told you to make note of when we were reading through the story in Luke chapter 2, verse 12? I think that's the key. I think that's the clue. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. I, I think there's a biblical principle here that Luke is trying to spell out for us. I think the principle goes something like this. In Christ, God gives us the very thing we most desperately long for and need, but he seldom, if ever, gives it to us in just the form that we were expecting. 
Now let me see if I can illustrate how that works by just telling you this story. Once upon a time, three little trees stood on a mountain and dreamed about what they wanted to be when they grew up. The first tree was a pretty little tree. God had made her pretty, and she wanted to use her gift in the best possible way. And the tree looked up at the stars shining brightly in the sky and said, I want to hold treasure, she said. I want to be covered with gold and filled with precious stones. I want to be the most beautiful treasure chest in the world. The second tree was a strong little tree. God had made him strong. And he wanted to use his gift in the best possible way. And the tree looked out on this small stream that was trickling by as it made its way to the ocean and said, I want to be a sailing ship, a great ship. I want to travel mighty oceans, and I want to carry powerful kings, and I want to be the strongest ship in the world. And the third tree was a tall little tree, and God made him tall. And he took this gift, and he wanted to be the best possible, you make the best possible use of this gift that he could. And so the tree looked down to the valley below him and saw these busy men and busy women working in a busy town. And he said, I don't want ever to leave this mountaintop. I want to stay right here and I want to grow so tall that when people look and stop and look at me, they'll have to raise their eyes to heaven and they'll have to think about God. I want to be the tallest tree in the world. Years passed, rains came, the sun shone, and those little trees grew and grew. And then one day, three woodcutters came to the forest. And the first woodcutter looked at the first tree and said, Why, this tree is beautiful. It's perfect for me. And with a swoop of his axe, the first tree fell to the ground. Now I'll be made into a lovely chest. The beautiful tree thought, I'm going to hold wonderful treasure. And the second woodcutter looked at the second tree and said, This tree is strong. It's perfect for me. And with the swoop of his axe, the second tree fell to the ground. Now I'm going to be made into a great sailing ship, the second tree thought to himself. I'm going to sail mighty oceans. I'll be a strong ship fit for kings. And the third tree felt his heart sink a little within him when the woodcutter looked in his direction. He stood straight, and he stood tall, and he pointed bravely to heaven. The third tree felt his heart sink, though, when that last woodcutter looked his way. The woodcutter never even looked up. Any tree will do for me, he said. And with the swoop of his ax, the tall tree fell to the ground. And if you'd been there that day, and if you'd listened closely, you might have heard that, that tall tree start to cry. Meanwhile, the first tree rejoiced when the woodcutter brought her to a carpenter's shop. But the carpenter wasn't thinking about treasure chests on that particular day. In fact, instead, he fashioned her into a feeding trough 
of all things. Didn't cover her with gold or fill her with treasure. Instead, she was covered with sawdust and filled with hay for hungry animals to eat from. And the second tree smiled at first, too, when the woodcutter saw him in a shipyard. But no mighty sailing ships were being made from trees that day. Instead, the once strong tree was hammered and sawed and turned into a fishing boat. Too small and too weak to sail a mighty ocean or carry a powerful king, he found himself instead day after day carrying loads of dead, smelly fish. The third tree was the most disappointed of all. Instead of being allowed to grow tall on the mountainside and point people to God, he was dragged to a lumberyard where he was cut up into beams and stacked into a pile. What happened? What happened? The third, the three trees wondered. All we ever wanted to do was to use our gifts to glorify God. Many days and many nights passed for those three trees. And the time came when they almost forgot their dream. Then one night, starlight poured over the first tree as a young woman placed her newborn baby in the feed box that she had become. I wish I could be, make a cradle for him, her husband whispered. The mother squeezed his hand and smiled. This manger, she said, is good enough. And suddenly the first tree knew that she was holding the greatest treasure in the world. Sometime later, a weary traveler and his friends crowded into the old fishing boat that the second tree had become. The traveler fell asleep as the second tree sailed out onto a lake. And suddenly this frightening storm arose and and the little tree shuddered because he knew he didn't have the strength to carry his passengers safely through this kind of terrible storm. And just at that point of night when everything was darkest and the storm blew at its worst, at just that point the tired man waked, he stood up, he stretched out his hand and he said, peace, be still. And the storm stopped as quickly as it had begun. And in that instant, the second tree knew he was carrying the king of heaven and earth. And finally, one Friday morning, the third tree was startled when his beams were yanked from a forgotten wood pile that he was piled on. And he flinched as he was carried through an angry, jeering crowd. He shuddered when soldiers nailed a man's hands to his beams. He felt ugly. He felt harsh. He felt cruel. But on Sunday morning, when the sun rose and the earth trembled, and the crucified man raised from the tomb, the third tree knew that God's love had changed everything. It had made that first tree beautiful. It had made the second tree strong. And to this very day, every time people think about that third tree, they think about God. You get the point? Surely you do. A baby 
a weary traveler, a man on the cross. I don't know how Jesus has shown up in your life and in your experience, but I do know this. In Christ, God gives us the very thing we most desperately long for and need, but almost never in the way we thought it would come. I think the poet probably put it best. He said, I asked for health that I might do greater things. I was given infirmity that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy. I was given poverty that I might be wise. I asked for power that I might have the praise of men. I was given weakness that I might feel my need for God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I got nothing I asked for. I got everything I hoped for. I was given life, and despite myself, my unspoken prayers were answered. I am among all people most richly blessed. So let me ask you again this afternoon on this Christmas Eve. What are you hoping for this Christmas? Way down deep inside. That thing that you're hoping for that you've probably not told anyone other than perhaps God. Whatever it is, my prayer for you is that you will find God's answer where it is in the joy of seeing and of knowing and of experiencing the love of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That would be the best gift I could give you this Christmas. For God so loved the world, for God so loved you, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, that if you believe in him, you will have eternal life. What a wonderful gift. What a marvelous thing is this thing we call Christmas. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, a simple story, a fictional story about three trees and it's so powerful because it's wrapped around the true story, the real story, the story of Jesus our Lord. Lord, I don't know where our hurts and where our anguishes and where our losses might lie this evening, but I do know that you're sufficient. And I pray, God, that you would make your sufficiency known to those men and women and boys and girls that are sitting here this evening, this Christmas Day, this holiday season through the gift of eternal life through faith in you. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now we're going to try something a little different this evening. Uh, we're going to turn the lights out. And when we turn those lights out, uh, you'll notice that these aren't real candles. We, we don't trust you with real lighted candles. 
So there's a little switch on the bottom of your candle. If you're down here, you're up in the upper deck will work a little bit differently. But what we're going to do is I'm going to ask each person, like the first person over in this section here and the first person here and then the first person over here. And then I'm going to go over and start my fire over there. And what I'm going to do, we're going to turn the lights out. We're going to sing Silent Night. And then we're going to start touching one another with a lighted candle. So I'm going to turn my light on and each of you turn yours on and then touch the people around you and then that person touched people and then and let's see if we can spread this lighted candle throughout the whole sanctuary as we sing silent night holy night and then we're going to sing joy to the world and when we do that we're all going to just raise our candles really high and just celebrate with a wave offering before the lord can you do that this evening i'm going to ask you if you'll stand with me as i make my way over here before the lights go out and then all those people that i've pointed to Light your lights and let's start shining. <laughs> 